Take your Bibles this morning, please turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. This December we have five Sundays in the month, and so for the next five Sundays, we're going to look at a series, just a short five-message series called Christmas Callings. Christmas Callings. And this morning we'll look at the calling of Zacharias and Elizabeth. I think as we understand the scripture, we see that whenever God reveals truth, he expects his people to react to that truth or behave a certain way because of that truth. And so we're calling that Christmas callings. God is calling us to do something. And so today we'll look at Zacharias and Elizabeth. Next week we'll look at the call of Joseph, but it'll be on Sunday evening because our Christmas cantat is in the morning. The following week could be call of Mary. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll have the call of Jesus. The following week, we'll have the call of Simeon and Anna. Um, that's appropriate a week after Christmas because it was eight days that they, after Jesus was born that they would meet him in the temple. So that's our series for the month of December. I hope that you can be a part of that as we look at the scriptures, mainly in the book of Luke again, and we'll continue with our miracles series during those other services. But Luke chapter 1 this morning is where we'll start with the call of Zacharias and Elizabeth. You know, Christmas is an exciting time. A lot of anticipation, a lot of uh, family get-togethers. It's a very busy time. As a child, I can remember those days where we'd get up at 3 in the morning and we'd see if mom and dad were awake yet. And if not, we'd make just enough noise to stir them. And is it time to get up yet? And usually mom was game, but dad was saying, no, go back to bed. And usually by about 4.30, we'd convince them, we're not going back to sleep. It's time to get up. We might as well get this over with. And so we'd open all the gifts And then dad would go back to bed. And uh, that was normally our habit. Well, we found out later on that Wade and I outgrew that. You know, when we get to high school and we're going off to college and things, we'd come home. We want to get up at a reasonable hour. As a matter of fact, it's nice to actually sleep in a little bit on a holiday. And so we thought, you know, 8 o'clock is reasonable. We don't need to get up before that and open gifts. It was mom that was up at 4 in the morning. And especially when grandkids came along, it was her that wanted everybody up early so that they could, and I guess if she's up getting a turkey on anyway, we might as well always all be up. And so there's a lot of anticipation about Christmas. Our kids never caught that. And I'm kind of thankful. We're actually having to wake the kids up and it'll be nine o'clock, 9.30 in the morning. Say, kids, don't you want to open your gifts? Oh, they'll be there later. They just like, they like to sleep in when they get the chance. And most of them, they don't get a chance very often. So that's kind of a blessing as a parent that we get to sleep in a little bit on Christmas now. But, you know, Christmas, as a pastor, it's a great time of ministry. People are more tender to the things of God. And you still get your odd person once or twice in the season that'll get angry if you say Merry Christmas. But that's not been my experience for the most part, especially in Norfolk County, where we have down-to-earth folks. Maybe more in the city we saw that a little bit and there was more religions involved there and things. And so, I mean, the city had a big battle a few years ago. They had to take Merry Christmas off the side of the escarpment. Now it says season's greetings there. And, and so I understand that there's a lot of dynamics, but in little Simcoe, we can still say Merry Christmas. And people genuinely say it back. And it seems like it's heartfelt. The only time, ironically, that I I believe in seven years being here, that the only time that anybody ever got upset, I was in Canadian Tire, and I was checking out, and I said to the lady, Merry Christmas, and she got upset with me. And I turned, and I looked at the largest banner you'll ever see. It says, Canada's Christmas Store. And I said, but that's what you're advertising. 
Christmas is an important time of year. It's when Jesus was born. And what a great time of ministry, and we have a lot of activities going on at the church, but we hope and pray that all of them bring glory to God, that all of them have Christ as the centerpiece of whether it's a children's program, the Christmas cantata, whatever it might be, that we bring much glory to his name. And so this morning as we begin our Christmas season, and I don't know if there's an official start date to the Christmas season, I, I, I see that sometimes um, Ruth Coburn likes singing Christmas carols in June and <laughs> love Christmas. But you know what? I think it's great that people love Christmas. And uh, I, I took my phone this week and I put all Christmas music on. I love thinking about Christmas and listening to Christmas music and enjoying uh, all the things that Christmas has to offer. But the most important thing is Jesus Christ. And we must keep him central. And the word of God is so important. And you know, sometimes we will lay aside the word of God because of some program and say, well, you know, we've, no, no, the word of God is important. And it is central. And today we will take some time in the Word of God. And so let's look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. There's actually a lot of scripture to cover today. We won't read it all at once. We'll read it in bits and pieces. But read with me the story of Zacharias. There was in the days of Herod, verse 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Boy, if you consider that one verse, that says a lot about Zacharias and Elizabeth. You understand the day and the age that they are living in, the priesthood is very corrupt. They've made big business. Jesus would have to cast money changers out of the temple just 30 years later. And there was a lot of things going on. And we see all throughout the, the gospel stories of, of the Pharisees and their attitude and the Sadducees and their, their poor attitude and, and such. And so for Zacharias, a priest of the tribe of Levi that was li- dwelling uh, in Israel and working in the temple, and the Bible says they were both righteous, before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, but the most important word there is blameless. I understand today that by the covering of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the righteousness of Christ in us. When I stand before God, I am excited and thankful beyond all measure to know that I will not be judged for my sin, but I'll be judged according to the righteousness of Christ that is in me. For the work of Calvary, for what has been accomplished by God. But I don't know that even though we have the righteousness of Christ in us, if I can always be called blameless. But the Bible says they were blameless, they were impeccable in character. Nobody could lay blame. Now, there, there might come an accusation from time to time again, but, but nothing could stick to them. They were transparent. They were honored by God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in verse 7, they had no child. They had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. 
And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness and Many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a ministry. And it's a ministry that each one of us should at, not just at Christmas time, but all year round, be involved in at pointing people to the Lord. Making Jesus available to them in such a way that he's easily accessible. You know, people today think that their sins are too great that God would ever forgive them. There's people today that think they have to go through religion to find God. But Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life has broken down that wall of partition, the Bible says. He has abolished the ordinances that would keep a man from God. And he's tore down that veil in the temple that we can have access to God through Jesus Christ. But before that even happened, that was John's job. To simply make the way straight that people could see Jesus. Verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel... Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, the stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. Behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. It came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the ministry of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that he lives, lived and died as an example to us of how we must also point people to Jesus. We thank you for his parents and their godly walk that we'll look at today. Lord, help us to glean from this passage of scripture the principles you'd have for us. I need your help. And so I ask for your filling of the Holy Spirit. I surrender to you the best I can. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
In the Christmas story, obviously, we often include Zacharias and Elizabeth, but this event actually took place about 15 months before Jesus was ever born. The very next verse, verse 26, you can look there if you'd like, it was in the sixth month. Elizabeth had already been expecting John for six months before Mary found out she was expecting. And we know that a nine-month pregnancy, so about 15 months, would pass before Jesus would be born. But nonetheless, Luke and the Holy Spirit have included this all in the same chapter. It's important to understand that if there's going to be a Savior, there must be a people that would tell about the Savior. People that would proclaim his name and people that would live their lives in such a way that they would bring glory to the Christ child, that others may want him too. I feel that sometimes as children of God, that's what we're most guilty of, is betraying Jesus Christ. Maybe not like Judas did, and maybe we don't deny him vocally like Peter did, but with our behavior, our speech, our actions, our lack of love. But we see in the life of Zacharias and Elizabeth that there was no such thing. Some of the greatest compliments that we find in the Bible about human beings were addressed to these two. And the Bible says in verse 6, they were both righteous before God. And we have an imputed righteousness, a righteousness that was given to us by Jesus Christ because of our faith in him. And so it is, is very apparent that they too were righteous because of their faith in God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And we also read about many of those in that, what we call the faith hall of fame that their faith was counted unto them for righteousness it is our faith that put in putting when placed correctly in Jesus Christ that makes us whole that counts us as righteous but the Bible also says they were blameless these two walked among men with great character Uh, they were the ones that people loved and were thankful to be around we all know that There are some that we just don't enjoy being around. Whether it's a bitter spirit or a bad attitude or whatever it is, that that was not named among Elizabeth and Zacharias. They were kind and even before Christ, I would call them Christian people. They loved the Lord and it showed in their lives. It's most extraordinary because of what it says in verse 7. It says, and they had no child. There were some trials in their lives, and yet they maintained their Christian character. There were some things that Elizabeth says in verse 25 that she understood that she was a reproach among men because she had no child. It was just the culture of the day. And yet they maintained their integrity. They walked in righteousness, obeying the commandments and ordinances, and were blameless before the Lord. If I could draw your attention to some things in the scripture this morning before we get to their calling, I want you to notice some background in the story. I want you to notice, first of all, and, I, and, and don't just dismiss this as introductory, because I, I think it's of utmost importance. And... When I say that, forgive me, you should all tune me out right now. 
You say, why? Because what I think doesn't matter. The fact that it's recorded in Scripture, it's of utmost importance. And so let me share with you what the Scripture says. The first thing we notice about Zacharias is he continued to burn the incense. I say, okay, well, that doesn't sound all that important. It is. Notice what the Scripture says. In verse 6, it talks about their righteousness, talks about their blamelessness. Verse 7, it says they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And this was not a newly discovered problem. The Bible says they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot, what he was chosen to do on this particular time, perhaps they did other jobs at other times, was to burn incense when he was in the temple of the Lord. Verse 10 is key as well, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Incense is, our understanding of incense is that burning of that incense, the smoke would rise to the heavens, and it was an act of faith showing we believe that our prayers are reaching God. And so while they would burn the incense, the priests these tribe of the tribe of Levi, people would gather outside the temple and they would pray and they would see that smoke rising from the temple and they would signify by their faith that their prayers were reaching the ears of God. It was just a physical ordinance, if you will, like baptism or the Lord's table. It was a biblical demonstration of truth that already existed. Their prayers, of course, were reaching God's ears. God is omnipotent and he is everywhere and he can hear all things. And so it was just a picture of their faith and what was going on. But I want you to notice that as part of his integrity and a part of his character, he showed up for work every day. The Bible says they were old and well stricken in years and it had been many years, I suppose, since they first found out that they could not have a child and yet they didn't get bitter they still continued on in their service for God. I want you to notice that he was faithful despite their hurts. Elizabeth used the word reproach. She knew that people talked about her and she knew that people looked at her differently because she had never had a child. Often in the Jewish culture, they considered that maybe there was some sin involved in their lives that she was not able to bear a child. And so it was a deeper reproach to think that people thought she might be a sinner. But God knew otherwise in verse 6. But despite their hurts, they were faithful. He was faithful despite their hope. He said, what do you mean by that? Here's something that I found interesting. Read on and the Bible says that this angel came in verse 11 and there appeared on him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And the Bible tells everything that happened in that exchange. And look what it says in verse 23. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. When I was seven years old, back in, I guess it was 1979, at the Norfolk County Fair, <coughs> how many of you remember the Elmer the Elephant booth? I think it was with the OPP, the Elmer the Safety Elephant. Everybody, am I the only one that old? There used to be a booth, the OPP. They had that car you could get in, and you could, with your seatbelt, they'd take you down that little slope and wham, show you what a seatbelt did. 
make sure you're safe. There was Elmer the Elephant would come along, and he had a safety quiz. And you could fill out the Elmer the Elephant safety quiz. And so I filled it out, and I put it in a box. And if you got it all correct and your name was drawn, you might win a bicycle. I won the bicycle. I got the quiz correct. And so the principal of the school found out somehow, and they came down to the classroom and announced to the whole class, the Elmer the Elephant safety quiz... Somebody in this class got it right, and somebody in this class won a five-speed bicycle. And guess who it was? And they called my name. Man, I was excited. And so I, got, I couldn't wait to get home. I got on that bus. I didn't, I didn't hit a step. I jumped off all those. I'm not going to even demonstrate. I'll kill myself. I jumped off all those steps, and I ran to the house, and I said, where's my bike? Oh, it doesn't come today. you you got to wait. They're going to deliver it over here, and they're going to, you know, they're going to take a picture for the paper and all this stuff, and that, you know, maybe a week or two. Boy, tell a little boy that won a bike to be patient. I don't know why I thought about that, but when I was studying this passage, I thought about Zacharias, old and well stricken in years, and an angel comes along and says, "Guess what? You're going to have a baby." Do you know what the Bible says he did? He went back to work. Boy, he showed some character, didn't he? I would have been like that little seven-year-old boy that won the bike. I'm going home. I'm going to go talk to Elizabeth, except I can't talk, but I'll, I'll draw her a picture. I'll do something. Man, I'm excited about this. But the Bible says in verse 23 that he finished his daily ministration. His job wasn't done. Boy, he had some character. Now, I'm just giving you some background, but I want, I want to talk about faithfulness here. Boy, it's so important to have character. So important to have integrity. I'll tell you this. I've learned over the years, don't hire somebody because of charisma. Hire them because of character. Did you catch that? Don't depend upon somebody or love somebody or like somebody because of charisma or talent or ability. Love them because of character. Character always shows up. Elizabeth and, and her husband Zacharias, they were faithful to God despite their hurts. For all of these years, their hearts ached because they didn't have a boy, but he faithfully would leave his home and leave his wife and go and do the work of the temple. He was faithful despite the hope. When he got excited about what God was doing in his life, he says, oh, we'll get to that, God. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Because right now, God's got me busy doing this. You know, often we have people come and say, well, Pastor, I feel like I'm called to do something for God. But they don't want to train. They don't want to, you know, Pastor, can I preach? Have you ever taught a Sunday school class? Uh, no. How about getting on a bus and talking, just sitting with a kid and talking to them about the gospel? Uh, I've never done that. Well, wait a minute. Let's train. Let's work a little bit. Let's be faithful over a few things and let God trust us with other things. Let's put in the time and the hours. And what we see in the life of Zacharias is a, a great character. Can I say this? When God wants to work in your life, it has to be in his timing. And we have to be patient and trust him. He continued to burn the incense. Secondly, we see in his life, he continued to believe the impossible. Look what the Bible says in verse 11. I love this. Oh, man, this is exciting. Listen, I'm going to try to read it, but hold on. And there appeared unto him an angel 
of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias. Look at those next few words. For thy prayer is heard. Wow. He continued to believe the impossible. He trusted beyond reason. Oh, I, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. Who's our oldest couple here this morning? Can I pick on Leroy and Jean? I won't, I won't call you the oldest couple, but we'll just, we'll just pick on you for sake of time. Is that okay? How long have you folks been married? Oh, no. <laughs> we'll have counseling tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. 60 years, 60 plus years. 160 years, Brother Leroy. 61 years you've been married. Now, let's just suppose for a minute you could never have children. Never had children. You have some children, but what if you never had children? When do you suppose you might have given up praying over it? Maybe around 40 years old, 45 years old, maybe 50. You probably would have given up a while ago, you think? Imagine, imagine if God said, you can have a child, but he's going to turn out like Leroy. You might have quit praying sooner. No. But the Bible says, when the angel came to Zacharias, he says, I've heard thy prayer. Wait a minute. The Bible says, way back in verse 6, that they are well stricken in years. The Bible says in verse 18, I believe, look there. It's funny how Luke is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I, I, boy, I, I like it when the Lord shows me something like this because it makes me laugh. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 6, Luke is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, they both were righteous before God walking, uh, sorry, verse uh, 7. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both, both of them, were well stricken in years. Look at verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, now it's Zacharias talking, the Holy Spirit's still superintending it, but these are his exact words. Wherefore shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. I don't know about you folks, but let me ask you, would you rather be considered old or well stricken in years? It's funny, the Holy Spirit says they were both well stricken in years, but when Zacharias is talking, I'm just old. She is well stricken in years. The word well stricken literally means that the years have been hard. I think you get that from the word stricken, don't you? Zacharias, Zacharias is saying, I might be old, but the years have been hard on my wife. This burden that she has carried for all these years. You know, I still get up every day and I've got, I go to the temple and I, I do my incense and I serve the people and I've got a purpose, but my wife never had any children. She doesn't get to go and sit with the other ladies and she doesn't have a child to teach and to raise and to rear and it's been hard on her. So yes, I'm, I'm older, but she's well stricken. And yet, Zacharias kept praying, God, give her a child. Boy, that's faith. That's faith. The Bible doesn't say how old she was. But the Bible assumes that she was well past childbearing age. And so he trusted God 
beyond reason. Can I ask you this question? Have you ever left off praying too soon? Maybe you're praying for somebody to be saved and you pray faithfully for a while and then every once and then you find yourself, oh, I forgot to pray for that. Maybe I'll, once a month you start and then every once in a while their name comes up or you run into them and you think, oh, maybe I should be praying for that. And eventually you don't pray at all anymore. There's a fellow years ago that I worked with in Port Dover as a teenager. His name was Chris. And you know, there was, an, there was another guy there. His name was Jamie. And I still see Jamie around Simcoe from time to time. And there was lots of times where we'd be working after the store was closed and we were stocking shelves. And I'd talk to Jamie about the gospel. He came to baseball on Monday nights here at the church. And we, we had lots of chances to talk to him about the gospel. My, my manager at the time was Ray Walker. And anytime he heard us talking, he'd clear everybody else out of the aisle. So, well, you need to go work over in aisle three. And he just let us talk. He wanted him to be saved too. And so we just had that understanding. We'd just work away. But there was another guy named Chris. And for whatever reason, I never got a chance or never took the time to talk the same. Years and years later, I was preaching for Brother Stone in St. Thomas. And Brother Stone says, there's a guy here that knows you. He said he used to work with you in the grocery store in Port Dover. And I said, really? And I said, what's his name? And he said his name, his first and his last name. And I thought, boy, I don't remember that name. It had been so many years. But I walked in, I recognized him right away. He told me how he got saved and now he was a member of Brother Stone's church and living for the Lord. And I thought, boy, that could have been me that led him to the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not important that it be me that leads somebody to the Lord. It's just important that they get saved. But the Lord convicted in my heart at that moment that if I just told him, maybe he would have got saved. God had already been working on his heart, obviously, and his inclination was to reach out and to trust Jesus Christ as his Savior. And perhaps if I just... Have you ever quit too soon? Zacharias didn't. He just kept trusting beyond all reason. And though she was well stricken, he says, God, give my wife a baby. And he kept praying. But God can do the impossible, can't he? He trusted beyond reason, and his trust brought rejoicing. We see in verse 14, the Bible says, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Gabriel expressed that if God were to do a work, it was natural that people should rejoice. Boy, that should apply to everything in life. Do we thank God like we ought to? Do we rejoice? How many of you even know what rejoice means? means to give praise, to joy in something. Boy, sometimes we come to church and we're good Baptists, so we don't want to smile. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid that we get moved in a service and a tear comes to our eye. Heaven forbid we shout praise the Lord. Glory to God. By the way, when you get to heaven, you're going to be real annoyed. Because when you go down to see Jesus, the Bible says that there were beasts there that are night and day saying, praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Night and day. You're going to try to have a quiet time. There's just no quiet time in heaven because they're always there. 
They rejoiced because God was doing something. And I want you to notice the, the reason for the rejoicing. This is just kind of an aside. And we're still looking at the introduction to this calling. And the calling will only take us a moment. But look at verse 15. The first word is for. I learned way back in English class that also means because. So the Bible says in verse 14, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth for or because he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. There's one reason to rejoice. God was going to use this young man, John the Baptist, to be the forerunner of the Lord, to, to make the way straight and to point people to God. He would be great in the sight of the Lord. Look at the second thing. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Isn't it interesting that in the list of things that he gives us that abstaining from alcohol is one of them? He said, oh, no, no, that's, that's just, no, no. It says wine and strong drink. There's two different there. Any alcohol. John wasn't going to touch it. And the Bible says in verse 14, we're going to rejoice over that. Because John was great in the sight of the Lord, and he was going to abstain from alcohol, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. He would walk with God, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And in verse 16, and many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. He was going to be a witness for God. But his life brought much rejoicing. I want you to notice thirdly this morning, he continued to burn the incense. He continued to believe the impossible. But his question betrayed his insecurities. Look at verse 18. Boy, I see myself in Zacharias. Not, the, not all the good stuff, but the mistakes he makes. Look what it says. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Can you imagine? Boy, we don't, we don't get the courtesy that Zacharias normally gets. Or got here in this case, I should say. We don't normally get that. He'd been praying for years for something. And when God was about to answer his prayer, he sent an angel to say, we've heard your prayer up in heaven. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And guess what? You're going to have a son. And his name's going to be John. And he's going to be a great preacher. And he's going to be filled with the Spirit. And he's going to turn people to Jesus. You know what Zacharias did? Uh, what can you do to prove it? I need to know right now. I can't, I can't wait. I, I, I got a few more days of work here and I'm going to go home to my wife and she's going to conceive. And, but you know, she's not going to start showing for a few months. I, I, I need to know now. Boy, he was insecure, wasn't he? <laughs> Isn't it something? A guy that's been praying for so long, a guy that's righteous in the sight of God, a man that is blameless, still says to the angel, are you sure? It's an angel, Zacharias. Nobody else gets that. Nobody else has their... When, how many of you would like it when you prayed an angel showed up that night and said, hey, I got it. God, God heard it and he sent me to tell you everything's going to be okay. Boy, that'd make our day, wouldn't it? It'd cut out a lot of fuss and worry. But we don't get that. Here's what Zacharias is saying. I need a sign. It was a, a question to confirm. He, he wanted a sign. He had, he had still some time of service and there was some things that were, must take place and he was going to have to go home and his wife likely, because of her age, would be considered a high-risk pregnancy. He had prayed so long and now he wanted to trust God by sight and not by faith. God showed me something. How about you? You ever had a prayer answered that was so miraculous you couldn't believe God answered? 
That's kind of what's happening with Zechariah here. God, I need a sign. God, I need a sign. Let me encourage you to live by faith, not by sight. Trust God. When you pray, leave it at his feet. Believe that he is able, that he has got your best interests at heart. He wants what's best for you. He's always doing good for his children if you will just trust him. Zacharias had a question to confirm, but he also had a question of concern. I don't think he was just concerned about what he says in verse 18. How, how will I know? What is the sign of this? Look at the second part. For I'm an old man. I think Zacharias had resigned himself to this is as far as God's going to take me. Every day I get up and I go to the temple and I do my incense. And I do it for my appointed time. And I, at the end of my appointed time, I pack up my little room and I go home to my wife. And I've been doing that for years and years and years and years. I've been faithful. I'm walking with God. But this is as far as God's going to take me. I think his question now was not just a question to confirm, but it was a question of concern. He was saying, God, please, please, please let me know. Can you still use me? Have you ever asked God that question? I think we ought to once in a while. I think when we stumble and fall and we get down on our face before God, say, God, I've sinned again. I think maybe we say to God, God, could you still use me? I want to know. Because the greatest privilege in this life is to be used of God. No matter what it might be, the greatest privilege in this life is that God allows you to be used. That he empowers you for service. That he gives you a gift that is to be used for his glory. And I think Zachariah's heart here was not just, I want a sign of confirmation, but he's wondering, I'm old. Do you mean to say that you're still going to use me and bless me like this? It was a question to confirm, a question of concern. But then I want you to see his call. His question betrayed his insecurities, but his call was to boast of the incredible. Look, if you will, in verse 19. We're almost done. I know our time. I'm watching it. But here's the call of Zacharias and Elizabeth. It was a call to boast of the incredible. Look at verse 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their ears. You say, wait a minute. How can we boast of the incredible if you're going to take my tongue away? Look what the Bible keep reading. And the people waited, verse 21, for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision. Something told them in the temple. For he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. Something had changed in Zacharias. Not just his tongue. When he came out of the temple, the Bible says they saw him and they perceived that he had seen a vision. They perceived that God had met with him. That something was different. Years ago, I worked with a fellow by the name of Doug. And Doug and I were talking a little bit and Marlene Massacre worked there as well and she talked with him a little bit and 
we thought, boy, if we ever get a chance to witness to this guy, and we were talking about that. And After a little while, I said to Marlene, I said, I think Doug's a Christian. She says, I was thinking the same thing. I said, I'm just going to have to ask him, I guess. But I said, there's just something different about him. She goes, everything about him. She says, his behavior, his speech, she says, his work ethic, it just says there's something different about him. So one day, Doug was on lunch, and I walked by. I said, Doug, I said, let me ask you something. I said, do you know the Lord? He says, yeah. He smiled. And he began to tell me about his salvation, how he got saved, and all the rest. And I said, well, I said, I said I'll give you a compliment. I said, you know Marlene? I said, she's our pastor's wife. And I said, I'm the youth pastor. I said, we were talking the other day, and we both said, we think you're a Christian just because of the way you behave. He said, oh, that means a lot to me. So we got to know each other a little bit more, and we talked a little bit, and talking about our families, and I asked him about his parents and stuff, and he's well, my mom died. It was tragic. And he says, my dad just left. He had to go away. That's all he said. Begin to read in the newspaper about a man who murdered his wife with a machete in Hamilton. And the last name was the same. And I said to a fellow that became, started working at the store, he was the butcher. And boy, I love that guy. Let me tell you about him for just one second. He used to stand in the back of the store and he'd be cutting meat, singing How Great Thou Art at the top of his lungs. Everybody come in the store and they thought, what is this place? He didn't care. He's just singing it out. Man, what a wonderful, what a wonderful, wonderful testimony. I said to him, he went to church and I said, this stuff I'm reading in the paper, I says, is that Doug's family? He goes, yes. His dad murdered his mother right in the street in front of a whole bunch of kids with a machete. And he's in prison. And yet we could still see something different about Doug. Isn't that something? This is while it was in the papers, and this is while it was on trial, and this is while... And yet we could see something about Doug that was different. Zacharias came out with such a testimony that the people said, there's something different here. And he couldn't even tell them. He couldn't say. And yet he motioned to them and somehow they perceived he had had a vision and somehow they knew something was different. He was called to boast of the incredible, but he didn't have a tongue. So we see, first of all, he had a great obstacle the Bible says that when John was born, the family said, we'll name him Zacharias. And Elizabeth said, no, his name will be John. How did she know? Her husband couldn't talk. He was called to testify of God's greatness, even though he had no tongue. Here's the real tragedy. There are those that have no tongue, but there are those that have a tongue and refuse to praise the Lord. That's the real tragedy. And you'll notice that when Zacharias got his tongue back, we'll read it in just a moment, the first thing he did was say, praise the Lord. Praise God. He had a great obstacle. But we see in verse 57 of chapter 1, we see a grand opening. Verse 57, now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John. 
And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him, how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake. And what did he do? And praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. We see a grand opening. The first words that he chose to say were of praise towards his God. And then we see a gracious outpouring. See what happens when he praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Boy, God began to work in people's lives. Why? Because they followed the call to boast of the incredible. The first thing he did when he opened his mouth is he praised God and word spread. You know, this Christmas, we too are called to do the same. Zacharias rejoiced in the birth of a child, but it was only the forerunner. It was not, not even the Son of God, and yet he rejoiced. But here was the content of his rejoicing. Look at verse 68. We'll just stop there. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. That's the message of Christmas. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We sing redeemed how I love to proclaim it, but do we really love to proclaim it? Here's your call. It's the same as Zacharias. The Bible says this, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This Christmas, let's be vocal. Let's tell a lost and dying world about Jesus Christ. Let's invite them to the cantata and the different programs going on that they might be under the sound of the gospel. Let's put a gospel track in every Christmas card. Let's be careful to make sure that we keep Christ first in Christmas. We can learn from Zacharias. When Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary rejoiced. The angels rejoiced. Shepherds sang his praises and wise men came from afar to worship him. It was God's greatest work. So much for, so the angel said this, glory to God in the highest. We have reserved our greatest praise for this day, the day that Jesus was born. There's a lost and dying world out there, friends. And I'll say this. Somebody says, well, I'm not called to be a soul winner. You don't need a call when you have a command. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm sorry. We don't, you don't need a call when you have a command. But we are called to boast of the incredible. We are called to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We are called to, to, to mention about this unspeakable glory of God. Let's tell the world about our Savior. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. God has spoke to your heart. The altar's open even now. Let's stand to our feet. Brother McPherson's going to take the invitation as I prepare for a baptism this morning. But would you take the calling of Zacharias and Elizabeth to heart? Would you make it your own? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will proclaim his name among the people.